Hey, smart mamas. Welcome to the Scrub Caps and Sippy Cups podcast, a podcast about balancing mom life and work life and everything in between. Being a mama is a hard job. We are three nurse anesthetists reaching out to support and encourage other moms with hectic and chaotic lives. I want to be a nurse anesthetist. No topics are off limits. Relationships, finance, mental health, work. And we aren't sugarcoating anything. No way or way. This is real life, real moms, real advice. And we want this to be interactive. We want to hear from you. The good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm recording. Just- Although I'm down in my basement, and so it's the same lighting as like if it was eight o'clock at night. Yeah, I am. Um, I hit record just so we catch any good because we always have like really good funny conversations before we record. But oh yeah, it's just Lacey and I today, and um, we're recording at noon in, or like eleven thirty a.m. Eastern time instead of our typical evening recording. So I feel like we're gonna have more energy. <laughs> <This is good. laughs> yes. But um, we also. I had a big mess up and well, not I, my computer had a big mess up and I recorded a podcast we did. And then it like, didn't, I don't know what it's supposed to do, but whatever it's supposed to do, it didn't do. Oh yeah. That sucks because I pulled it up on my meeting screen and on my recording screen and it was there, but when you click on it, it's gone. So this is like totally unplanned off the cuff, which is sometimes the best kind of content. And I know we haven't oh, sure. connected in a while, so we got a lot to talk about, but what do you, what are we doing today? Are we talking about Rachel Hollis? Cause I've kind of been like itching to talk about this. Yeah. I think we should talk about Rachel Hollis and not in a, like why we don't like Rachel Hollis kind of way, even though that may be a little bit the case for me, um, <laughs> but in a, like why, what went wrong? The thing that she did. Yeah. What went wrong? Like why the a thing lot. that she did was not good and why that like makes our whole like society worse, you know, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. So before we jump into that, um, so Crystal's not here today. She's on vacation, enjoying Destin, Florida with her family. Um, and yeah. so what have you been up to update us? Oh my gosh. Well, I I don't even know. I feel like I've been up to a whole lot of like busyness that is like normal, like normal busyness. Um, uh, the new big thing in our life is that we bought a camper and I had a revelation as to exactly how much I hate spending money. We knew this though. We knew this. You, you talk about that a lot. I know. You hate it. I know, but like, but like, I didn't realize like how hard it was for me until we did it. And so, I mean, it's not even like, it's like that much money. Like I didn't go like spend a million dollars on something, but, and it was money that we had in the bank, like able to use no problem. But like, I found this camper. I was like the person scouring the internet for the last three years. I found like the perfect camper for our family. And I knew exactly which one it was. And I kept like scouring for used ones and I'd always find a reason not to buy one. And that for the last three years. So then I finally found one. I showed it to my husband and I was like, this is the camper, you know? And he's like, yep, I agree. Let's go buy it. So we drove an almost two hours away to go buy this camper. 
I get there, everything checks out. It's exactly as it's supposed to be. It's exactly what we wanted, how we wanted it, you know, all of that. And then I like can't pull the trigger. I'm like, I your hands I'm like, like you know, yep. Checks. Yeah. My <laughs> husband is like, we drove all this way, everything checks out. Like, you're not allowed to show me another camper if you don't buy this one. He's like, you're not allowed to look at other campers, you're not allowed to talk about other campers. You are stuck with the camper that we have if you do not buy this one. And I was like, fine. And then I cried on the way home because we spent money. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, I have so many questions. I'm just going to start rattling them off. First of all, you already (laughs) have camper. This camper business to me is so foreign, by the way. I am not someone who camps. (laughs) And I understand like if you have a camper, it's not really camping, it's glamping, but still like that is totally not in my world. Not the way you vacation. No, like I always want to, but I can't actually see myself doing it is the problem. Or or if I do, not enough to actually own a camper. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. But okay, lots of questions. Question number one, why do you need a new one if you have one? Like, was there okay, something wrong so, with it or did you just want like an upgrade? So we upgraded. So basically we had a pop-up camper that, um, you know, yeah. we kind of like glammed up a little bit, made it look pretty and nice, but it's a camper that folds down. And so it's like a little box that you like crank up. It's like a, like a portable, like a tent on a trailer. So you like crank it up and then the beds like slide out. And then it's like this like half tent, half like little box. And so um, one of the problems we were realizing was that like with this type of camper, which is great. I mean, I love, this is how I grew up camping. This is camping to me, but Like if you want to get anything ready to go, you have to like crank it up and slide it out and set it up so that you can pack it up, crank it down, put everything back together so you can take it somewhere. You pack it and put it back down? Yeah. So it's literally like when people wrap up their Christmas trees that are decorated. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Okay. And so you wanted a new camper. So you find, so like, do you go, is there like websites for this? Do you go on like Craigslist or you just like search around, like you would shop for a car? So I wanted a new hard-sided camper. So we got one where the like tent, like the ends of it, like fold down into a like little mini tent. And then it's like a regular camper trailer, like you see everywhere. And the reason that we wanted this is one of the problems that we found camping with our children is that we would camp some places where they would have these outhouses or pit toilets. So it's like a big hole in the ground with toilet seat on top of it in a little building. And I know some of our listeners will relate to this and some of our listeners are going to be like WTF, like who does this? But taking your child and having them sit on top of a giant pit that they can fall into that's like 10 feet down in the ground is absolutely terrifying for them and for me. And so we wanted a camper that has some sort of bathroom that we could use for our children. So that was like one of the main reasons we wanted to upgrade. And so, yeah, there's like camper stores, just like there are camper uh, or like there are car stores that you go to and buy a car. And these are, I mean, honestly, like, I feel like buying a camper is like, like go going to visit the like used car salesman. Like they're like all, you know, like they sell you and any, I don't know. It's just like not a great experience in my opinion. Um, but but same as like buying a car, like buying a car is kind of the same way. So it wasn't like a private sale from a person. You went to like a place. So we, so we, 
looked around everywhere. So you can buy it on Craigslist. You can buy it on Facebook Marketplace, which is where we got ours. Or you can buy it on um, like from a camper store. Yeah, like a lot. So campers. I've, dri- I've driven by them. Some of them look yeah. really nice. And so what does the camper normally oh, run? Yeah. Like how much do campers cost? Oh my gosh. Well, campers, it really depends on what you want and what you're getting. Um, I mean, you can spend $100,000 on a, yeah, yeah. Ellen's eyes just went like buggy. Um, yeah, you can spend like $100,000 on like one of those giant fifth wheels that you see going down the road that looks like, you know, a mobile house. Yeah. Uh, some of them even have like washers and dryers in them and like crazy stuff like that. Or you can spend like $5,000 on them. So, I mean, like the range is huge and it really depends on how big it is, what you want, what's inside. Um, yeah. So there's, there's a big range there. Can you, but, one? Yeah. like if you were just going to go once, can you rent them? Yeah, you can rent oh, them. Okay. Um, yeah, you should I, do that. I was going to say, I would never just come out and buy one. Cause like, I don't know that no. I would use it, but if I were to go camping, which I can't imagine a time when I would actually like go camping, <laughs> I would rent it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I will say that recently on TikTok, my husband was like, look at this freaking camper. It's nicer than our house that we're building. And really like some of them, I mean, I was looking inside and I'm like, I don't even understand how, how the campers inside are so beautiful and remodeled. But I guess people who like, for example, drive across country or like maybe they just always are in their campers you might as well invest the money into it because you're going to use it a lot and you might as well make it nice. But that world I'm telling you is so foreign to me. And like Crystal's not here, but I have a feeling it would be foreign to her too. Mm. <laughs> so maybe she can come. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so what was it? Why yeah. were you like unable to part with that check? Is it because it wasn't worth it? Did you, was it not what you wanted or it was just like a large sum of money that you didn't want to give up? Well, I think... So this is going to be a little psychology here, but I'm realizing how like messed up my like money mindset is and like how much it falls into like a scarcity side of like hoard it, save it, like money is meant to be saved, not spent. And so it was like, just like the concept of like buying a toy that we didn't need to function in our lives. Like you know, did we need a camper to be able to feed our children? No. Like, do we need a camper to house our children? Well, when we take them places, yes. But like, we have a house that we live in. Like, I mean, it's like, we're going, like, it's that part of like going beyond the very basic necessities and like expanding out into your life. And we're at the point where we're fully capable of doing this, but just like actually doing it is... I'm realizing a challenge because I have all of these like hidden like beliefs inside of me about money that I didn't realize were really there until now stuff's coming up that I'm like, oh, I didn't realize I thought about it like that. Yeah. Um, I feel like a lot of our listeners either are going to like really relate to that or like totally not relate to that. Cause we have people who like fully live outside <laughs> of their means. And then we have people who have like severe guilt over spending any kind of money but I'm interested to to find out like if you ever do dive into that or like go talk to somebody about that and what they tell you that means. I'd love to know. Cause I definitely have, I think every, all of like parents or moms probably have guilt over spending money on anything for themselves in general. Like I am so yes. much likely to go buy something for my kids, even for my husband. But if I have to like mm-hmm. fill a card up and actually hit buy 
for myself, I'm always like, man, I don't need it. So it's like an online sport. I go online, yeah. I shop, I fill my cart and then I don't buy it. It's ridiculous. And then but, you get the emails later saying you left something in your cart. Yeah. And it's crazy. Cause like when my husband wanted to buy his Tesla, he was talking about it on and on and on and on and on and on. And I could not handle it anymore. So I identify with your husband because like he, how he said, you can't talk about campers or look at campers anymore. I literally told him the same thing. I'm like, you're not allowed to look at Tesla's anymore. You're not allowed <laughs> to talk about them. You're not allowed to ask me questions if you don't buy this one. And I literally had to hit the button that says buy now for him in order for him to actually buy it. So it's like what your husband, he Uh probably like pulled the check out of your hand and was like, give it up, Lacey, (laughs) give him the check. And then you buy (laughs) But it's like, uh, you know, I mean, part of it is like also like reckoning with like the self that I am now versus the like self that I was growing up as a child. Like we grew up in, you know, like probably like just above the poverty line. Like we, so we were like lower middle-class, but like the lowest lower middle-class, you know? And so, um, like growing up, like I always viewed money as like, just to get you the things that you need to, to survive instead of like, now it's like, we can afford this. And so like actually doing it and going out and affording it. But the problem is that like, you know, if you wait too long, like you can miss your window. And that's the realization that I had to come to is like, so our kids are five, three and almost one. And so now is the time when we're going to be out camping. We're going to be out enjoying this with our family. And there's going to come a time when sports start, school, friends, things get busy, other extracurricular activities come into play. And all of a sudden the window for when we go camping is going to not exist anymore. And so if I waited until that point or a year before that point to finally after now it was three years, now let's say six years, you know, down the road, I'm like, okay, we're finally going to do this. And then it's like, oh, nope, we don't use it anymore because we're doing other things with our time now. And so like, I just had to realize that like the window is open right now. The window exists. We can afford to make this happen. And so it's okay to spend the money and do this because we're going to be creating these memories for our children. And yeah, so that I just kind of had to like reckon with that. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. I think it comes down to overall when people like, they always push something off and then they, they don't realize that like tomorrow's not even guaranteed. You don't even know if you're going to be able yeah. to do it in five years, let alone tomorrow. But I saw this really, really good clip of a speech Denzel Washington gave to some college. Um, what's that thing called? Like the vehicle that pulls your um, casket, that brings your casket? Oh, the hearse? The hearse. Yeah. So he, it said, um, it just, he said something like, do, you know, the things you want to do today because your hearse doesn't pull you all behind it. And Mm -hmm. it's really true because like you can't take any of this with you, even if you save all your money in the world. Like I'm not saying go spend it frivolously, but like, you know, if you're saving and saving and saving, but you never actually like do what you want with it, even though you really want to do it, you just hold yourself back for whatever reason, you can't take it with you, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's like you run out of time eventually. And then people typically look back and they typically, I think from like research I've read is people regret not doing things way more than they regret doing things. Because from doing them, you learn a lesson or like you get an experience or a memory. And from not doing them, you just live in this like constant angst of like, coulda, shoulda, woulda, I wish, I, you know, I hope I wanted to. And I feel like that's like 
crappy place to live. So I'm proud of you for like <laughs> taking care of that within your own mind. Cause that's hard for sure. Especially when it's because yeah. of you grew up for sure. Yeah. Now do, so Ellen, you have been building a house. You've been insanely busy. I feel like I haven't talked to you in forever. Yeah. I don't um, think I've been building a house to you. If you have problems. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I, it, it would be hard. And it's not that I like can't spend money. It's just that it's, it's that like, it's hard. It's almost like you're admitting like a different narrative about yourself by spending the money. Yeah. Like we're admitting this different narrative that we're people who can afford to do this. And we are people who, you know, have this fancy trailer instead of the bare minimum thing. We're the people who, it's not even that fancy of a trailer, Yeah, but, uh, it, but it's, it's like your identity, like your identity yeah. has changed now from what you grew up with it as. And you have to be mm-hmm. okay accepting that because yeah that that's really tough. I mean, that's like anybody who, you know, grows up one way or maybe struggles with something their whole life. And then like weight, you know, weight control, like people who grew up overweight their whole life, then they lose all that weight. Then they like have no idea who this new person is because with the physical Mm -hmm. comes, you know, the emotional, the mental stuff too. So for you, I feel like it wasn't like a physical thing. It was like a transformation of your life that now you have to rationalize, accept, like, and view yourself in with a new narrative, just like you said, for sure. But um, yeah, building yeah. a house would not go well with that. <laughs> Until <laughs> you're fully done handling that new part of yourself. Cause it's crazy. <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. It's the craziest thing I've ever done. And we're building like very custom. So, you know, there's like all these developments and stuff where like new houses are built. You can mm-hmm. go in, the builder has like 20 acres, he subdivides and then he builds like 20 houses or whatever. So he has like a plan that is available that, or like several plans that you pick from. And then like, you have a couple finishes you make your choices on. We didn't have that. So we like purchased our land separately. We picked our builder separately. We created our architectural plan with an architect. So it's a complete custom build. I did not understand the level of customization that goes into building a And like every decision you have to make, because it really like, there's no, it's you, that's it. They do exactly what you Mm -hmm. want. And I didn't realize like down to the nitty gritty, what goes into it, which I love because now it'll be exactly what we want. But in the meantime, I'm like, how many decisions does one person have to like, this is ridiculous. And, you know, contractors hours are like 7am to three. So if you're going to meet them, you can't wait till like four when you're off of work because they won't be there or they don't want to be there because they want to get home to their families, which is understandable. But it like, I'm like, I didn't realize I have to like quit my job to build a house, you know, mm-hmm. because there's like so many decisions, so many people to meet with. And then you just can't squeeze it in if you want to be on a timeline. So it's been very eye opening. It's really stressful. I love it because I know the end product will be so good, but I hate it because in the meantime, it is a massive stressor. But everyone's like, oh, you know, there's going to come a time when you're done with decisions and they start doing like the finishes, like the floors and the tile work and that stuff takes forever. And it's really boring. I'm like, can we like get to the boring part? (laughs) When does the boring (laughs) part start? Because I'm very ready for the boring part. I am so over Mm -hmm. decisions, changes, upgrades, like the thought of upgrading to me gives me anxiety. I can imagine what it would do to you because every upgrade... (laughs) If you're stuck fighting yourself, like I really actually need that and want that, but like, how much is it going to cost? And it's, it's like panic sets in all the time. We knew going in like what it would cost. And then we knew with the 
you know, the market, how it is and material costs that went up significantly from COVID, how much more it would be. So we were still fine with it and we're still within our means, but at the same time, it's like, it's endless. You can upgrade everything all the time. (laughs) So it's just, it's been a very interesting, challenging time. And I swear my stress level from that is why. So the baby was head down up until like 33 weeks and she flipped out of Uh head down. So I'm like, she's stressed. She feels my stress. (laughs) So she flipped and now I'm going to need a C-section and I'm stressed about that and all this stuff. So I'm doing everything in my power to flip her down. Um, so I'm like going to chiropractors, acupuncture, like all the voodoo stuff. And at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. The baby's going to do what the baby wants, but I blame the house. I really do. I blame the house. (laughs) So now you have a like tight timeline here because how far along are you right now? Uh, 34 weeks. I'll be tomorrow. Okay. And then how, like, where is the house timeline at compared to your due date? So it's, are you going to be done in six weeks? Mm, I don't think so because some material things won't be in, but like, I think we'll be done aside from putting those in like our kitchen cabinets won't be in probably for six to eight. So I think it's going to be right at the end, which I'm fine with. I've already like totally accepted and I'm okay with, I wanted to be moved in. I want, or at least I wanted to like have the house ready to be moved in. I don't think Mm -hmm. we're going to be, I think we're going to be like two to four weeks off. Okay. But I'm so happy with it because like typically it takes like nine to 12 months to build a house like ours yeah. um, with this level of ridiculous customization, obviously that I didn't know <laughs> was going to happen, but we've only been building for three months. So okay. when we're done, it'll be a max total of like five or six, which I'm thrilled with, mm-hmm. but I still think the baby's going to come before the house because yes. it's just material. Like everything is backed up this year, COVID when it shut down all the mills and like the companies and everyone was working from home to everything is just so backed up. And then once they reopened people, because they were working from home, started to invest money into their homes since they couldn't travel, they couldn't go on vacation. Now they realize they can work from home. So they start investing into like their home office and their summer space builders and, and yep. contractors are so busy right now. And the mm-hmm. price for the material is so high originally from COVID, but really they stayed high and they went higher because I was like, they're never going to come down now. Once they see that people- People are willing to pay it. Yeah. They're just going to hike it up higher. I think like plywood is like $50 a a sheet and it's only like six to 12 or something. And yeah, it's crazy, but people keep paying and they keep building. And Well, part of it is that Canada um, had shut down the border. And so a lot of the wood that we get was coming from Canada that they had shut down. And so they weren't there was no exchange there at the border right. of that. And so that just reopened like this last week. So hopefully some of those lumber prices start to come down. But yeah, I mean, like Not that much. I don't if, think if I was a business, like, and I saw people were willing to just shell this out, like, yes. why would I lower the price? No, not you wouldn't. And it's supply and demand. The demand is super high right now. So they're just charging people crazy amounts. And as long as people keep paying, they're going to keep going. So, um, luckily we started before it took like a massive leap. We missed all the huge increases, but, um, yeah, I don't think even with like materials and timing and everything, I think we're going to be about two to four weeks off. My, my contract mm-hmm. feels the pressure cause he sees me growing by the day. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> a time bomb for him, 
But uh-huh. I told him, I'm like, listen, don't rush. Like if it comes down to two to four weeks, it's not the end of the world. It's not like I have nowhere to live. I'm in my in-laws house. Like they'll leap. They'll let us stay here as long as we need. Don't rush. Don't like cut corners. Don't skip steps. Don't feel pressured. It's fine. It is what it is. I mean, what are you going to do? You know, there's only so much you can do about it. So, um, we'll see where that well, all and honestly, like, is it so bad to be like, to just like stay put for that first, like two, probably even four weeks of your baby's life where it's like, those are like some of the hardest times you can have your in-laws there. You know, it's, it's going to be tight. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's not going to be like settled in like you want. And that nesting feeling is probably eating you up. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I think that would be better than trying to just like move, like, like like run, leave from your in-laws house, go to the hospital, have a baby and drive to a different house. And all of a sudden you like live there. Like that would just be like such a weird mind shift and such a like stressful time that like, maybe it's not so bad to just like hang tight for just like that short period of time, let your body heal, let your baby like, you know, become, you know, like instead of being a newborn, become an infant and then like take on that next hurdle. Yeah, for sure. I think if I've learned anything this year, this whole like year of 2020, 2021, it's been, um, patience and control you can't control everything. You have to be okay with like, just some things are out of your control and you have to be able to adapt to that and not lose your mind and also see like the Mm -hmm. positive in what it does turn into. So I think I keep getting served the same lessons in life until I finally like learn from them and accept them. And I finally am. So I don't know what, what lessons you've had this year, but for me, it was, it has 1000% been patience and control, you know? Yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I really want to um, jump into our topic. I we- think our audience is exci- oh. like, we've teased them long enough that I we're going to talk about we've Rachel Hollis's latest crap. F up. Okay. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's funny because, okay, so I don't know if we should catch people up, people who don't or do follow her because I missed it. Until yeah. We should definitely catch people up because I don't follow her, but I How saw this on Instagram through like other people. Okay. Okay. Cause I didn't see it either. I follow her, but I didn't see it just because like you, you don't see everything you follow. Um, and then like, yeah. you said, like, what do you think about this whole Rachel Hollis thing? I'm like, what Rachel Hollis thing? So I went and looked on her page and I was like, Oh God, it was like a fire, like this fire that people just kept like throwing <laughs> fuel on. And I was like, this is like a disaster. It's awful. Yeah. So wh- I guess what happened was originally she put out like a 30 second reel talking about like, a. uh, you know, follower, follower of hers that had commented on the fact that she was unrelatable. And yeah. Cause she was talking about like having a cleaning lady. Oh yeah. And then like, it was like, then somebody like insulted her, I guess, by saying that like, well, like by bragging about your cleaning lady, this makes you unrelatable. Right. And then she like went on this whole, like, I mean, it was like 45 second tangent on like this, like, she's like, yeah, I have a cleaning lady that comes and cleans my toilets every or twice a week. And she's like, I can afford that. I work hard. I work harder than most people. And then like the part that I think 
like that got her into trouble is by saying like, she's like, I get up at 4am. I work harder than everyone else. Therefore I deserve all of these things. Yeah. And, and then it's like, that got her in trouble. Relatable. She's like, what makes you think yeah. be relatable? But also yeah. I think that, okay. To give her some grace, which I think we need to. Well, wait, before we go there, let's finish the thing because like the whole relatable part is like, I think the huge key here yeah, is that where she went wrong. what she said, yeah, what she said was um, like, she went on talking about how hard she works. And then she goes, um, what part of my life makes you think I want to be relatable? And right. she said, if I'm relatable to you, if I'm relatable to my followers, I'm doing it wrong. And that is what got her in trouble. Right. Aside from the fact that she then compared herself to like the most like brilliant women in history who like literally rose. Well, that's like her apology. So that's like part two of this like three part disaster. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that's true. You're right. She did do that in her apology, which went also terribly wrong. Okay. So first part of the disaster, here's what runs yeah. me the, whole, the wrong way. First of all, stop being condescending. Just because you wake up at 4am, you still are not working harder than people who are like, you know, nurses, doctors, teachers, janitorial people working on the front line, also getting up at 4 a.m. without any help, without like the riches, without the help with the kids, without all that. Like, don't be condescending. That's just rude in general. What I was going to say is I was giving her grace because she went through a really terrible public divorce this year, which caught everybody off guard. So I'm sure she's like emotionally and mentally not 100% like in the mm -hmm. right space. So maybe she's, you know, to, to give some, I always try to give people a benefit of the doubt. Maybe she's on edge or has things to go through and like spoke out of uh, a normal place where she would be because of things that have piled up. That's what I'm choosing to believe because it's very out of character for her. Or the other option, which I don't like is Hollywood got to her because here's what bothered me about the whole thing. Aside from like the Rosa Parks issue, she built her entire brand on being, being a relatable girl. Like yep. she literally talked about it ad nauseum in her podcast, in her books, in her social, in her speeches, in her, um, you know, conferences that she is the girl's girl. She's, she's just like you, you can do exactly what she does because she's so relatable. And then she's like, what makes you think I want to be relatable? I was like, um, the like past 10 years of your career, probably because you <laughs> talk about it all the time. Yeah. So yeah. That's where my whole vision of her, I was like, whoa, when did we lose track of how you even got to this place? Cause you got here because of these people, because you kept talking about how relatable you are. Like we are the ones that put you there. We're the mm -hmm. ones that bought your stupid books about being relatable. We're the ones that like followed your podcast. We are the ones that bought into your brand yes, about, being about being relatable. So that's where she completely yeah. lost me. And I was like, okay, you know, she totally just stuck her foot in her mouth and like, made a whoopsie on that, but you can come back from that. You can be like, listen, I know that, you know, whatever I built my brain on being relatable. I'm sorry for saying that she had a perfect opportunity to apologize and like, it would have gone away. It would have been fine, but then it snowballed. So that's part two. Yeah. So tell us about part but two. I, well, so, I so to finish part one, I, I completely agree with you in that, like her brand is about being relatable and so the thing that I like struggled with the most in this is like her last statement of like, what makes you think anything about my life is supposed to be relatable to you? And like, 
that is not an attitude of serving your followers. That is not serving your followers. That is not building up your followers. That is doing nothing to your followers. The whole point of her followers is now to build her up and not to, not for her to build them up. Mm -hmm. And that's where like, it really frustrated me because she's teaching this attitude that it's okay. And this like selfish, self-centered, like everyone is there for me instead of like, I am here to serve the 1.7 million people who've chosen to follow me. Like that is where I got mad because that's not what any of this is about. That does not make the world a better place. Like having them build you up does not make the world a better place. You building up 1.7 million people can make the world a better place. Yeah, because I totally agree, 100%. Because those people are the ones that follow you because they're lacking in their lives the strength, courage, like, you know, positivity, ambition, experiences, privilege that she has. So they follow you because they look to you to guide them and encourage them and, you know, give them that, which someone had obviously given you because that's how you got to where you are. And she totally took it and like, we owe her something, you know? Yeah. And I agree with you totally went wrong there. And I will say, I think that some of the comments definitely were like, Hey, Rach, like come back to earth. You know, you owe people an apology. Here's where you went wrong. Like they were really meant to be helpful to her. Um, or maybe like to take off the blinders or maybe like defog her, rear view mirror on like how she got there and help her see this people who truly cared about her. Some people truly did go into like the bullying realm and attacking, which I also don't support. I don't think that's fine. I don't think that just because she's a public figure and exposes her whole life on social media and has become like this go-to sometimes people get this wrong opinion that we have full access to their lives and we can say and do whatever we want to them, like keyboard cowboys and trolls and like totally attack them. That's not good either because she's still a human being. And like, there's something to be learned here and you, you, you'll miss the lesson if you attack somebody. So I don't want to condone any of that. So that's where I stand on that. So that's where she angered you and I, that's how we feel about how she got attacked. Let's talk about the apologies gone wrong. (laughs) Yes. So part of the issue, part of the reason she like issued an apology was that she, um, like her people or her, like, so when she was talking about like the insane amount of privilege that she has, and quite frankly, like having a cleaning lady is not like, it is a point of privilege, but it's not a like excessive, like private jet privilege. Like lots of people who do not make millions of dollars a year have cleaning ladies and that is okay. And they do more than just clean your toilets. They, clean your house. They keep it nice and beautiful for you. And we're grateful for them. Um, but like people, women of color started commenting on this about the level of privilege that she was saying. And those comments were getting deleted by either her or her team or both. And that's when people started speaking out. And that's, I think when this really blew up is because if those comments hadn't been deleted, it just would have like festered in like the people who were paying attention to this. But because those people's comments were getting deleted, they were getting upset, they were spreading it to their platform now. And all of a sudden you have a viral infamous video. And so that's kind of to wrap up part one. Part two is when she issued an apology and she, I forget what exactly she did. Both of these things have been, part one and part two have been taken down from her page now, but she like compared herself to 
like Maya Angelou and Marie Curie and I forget who else, but I mean, it was like very um, prominent figures in history who've contributed, like Marie Curie gave up her life for science basically. And so um, like, like she was comparing herself to all these people and she was like, I can't do it right. And, and I just made a mistake. And like, people were at like, like, I'm sorry for having the privilege of having a cleaning lady. Like she, she totally missed the point of like her attitude was off point and offsetting to her audience because she built her entire brand about being relatable Mm -hmm. and she completely missed the point in her apology because she was apologizing for really the wrong things. She was apologizing for having a cleaning lady and saying like, well, it'd be a disservice for me to not tell you that I have a cleaning lady because I don't want you to think that I can do this all by yourself. Yeah, like Honey, no one thinks you're doing it all by yourself. Nobody is confused about (laughs) that. There's zero people on earth that thought you do any of this by yourself. Like, let's be clear here, you know, totally. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Totally placed blame on her team, which I thought was like, yeah. Oh yeah. And she blamed her team for not allowing her to respond sooner. Right. Like somebody (laughs) confiscated her phone and like tied her up in a basement. Come on. I understand that they're going to guide you, but like you also are a human being and you have a conscience. Hopefully maybe you don't anymore. I don't know. Maybe that goes away with like fame, but you should have like a conscience of a brain or, you know, something that guides you a moral compass on like the right thing to do, whether or not your team says whatever, because realistically you employ those people. So you mm-hmm. get the last call and you stand up for what's right. And typically she's all about standing up for what's right. So it was just like, so out of character for her. It was like, she became a completely different person. And I think that's what like freaked people out. Or her like, true colors show through. Or her. Or true those are who, really right. who she is. Right. And she's just been like parading under the guise of this to like, I I hate to like think bad about people like that, but I mean, it kind of seems like this is really who she is. Like she's a snob and that's fine. People can be snobs. That's okay. But don't build an entire brand about being a relatable person only to snob the people who've gotten you there. Right. Exactly. I think it was crazy. I mean, her rant about like, Oprah and Rosa Parks and how she belongs among yeah. how, like none of those women are relatable either. I'm like, what, how are we, how are you even putting yourself in the same category as Rosa Parks? I mean, like the woman yeah. fought for civil rights. What you literally told people like to, you know, I don't know, wash your face, wash your face <laughs> or <laughs> so you know, whatever. Like, like not to yeah, say not yeah. to minimize what she's done. She's also given people, you know, hope and encouragement and stuff, but you are not, you are not even close to being among the ranks of like Rosa Parks. Rosa Parks is unrelatable because that woman refused to give or up Oprah when everybody had to. And she literally like risked her life. There's nothing you did. I mean, I mean, she probably risked her life the other day on Instagram. I'm sure she got death threats. But I mean, regardless, otherwise, like don't even, that that to me just showed her level of disconnect with reality. Yeah. I think that's what it came down to for me. So she compared herself to people like Oprah Winfrey, Marie Curie, uh, Frida Kahlo. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Like yeah. she compared herself to all of these people and, um, and world. said like, they're not relatable, just like I'm not relatable. And it's like that you're not in the same category as them, honey. No, you're not so really then, a cleaning lady, not because you changed the yeah. world. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Also, some of them literally called her out on social media and was like, please stop using my name in association with yourself. And they gave her an opportunity to apologize. And when she did those crazy apologies, they were like, okay, like we're done here and totally disassociated from her. So I feel like 
if the regular people, like, you know, the peasants, like you and I couldn't back her on this because she's so unrelatable and so far above us, maybe those people she was talking about not backing her should have shot her into like, maybe I should stop and think about what I'm saying here, but it didn't seem to work at all. Yeah. No, I don't know. So then part three is is the publicist issued apology that is, was released. And the other two videos were taken down after they'd gotten millions of views and like tens of thousands of comments over a week. So it was like, clearly she's using this. And right before she did this, she posted, we're going to have our next rise event for the first time in like over a year. And it's going to be, it's like coming up soon. So she announced that she's having another event. And then she creates this whole firestorm of publicity around her, even though it's negative. And she lost a hundred thousand followers in like two days, but she's still, we're talking about her right now because of, so even though this is like, you know, clearly she did something wrong. She also used this to her advantage and is going to make money on it. Yeah, it's infamous versus famous. And it's like what they say is no publicity is bad because here we are talking about her. And because we're talking about her, people are probably going to go look on her. Like, it's this whole thing. But I do think it needs to be addressed. Like, you can't ignore it because I I know people are like, oh, if we just ignore all the serial killers and people like this, then they wouldn't do it. Well, no, they probably still would. And we probably still shouldn't ignore it because this shows people like what's wrong you know, don't yeah. ignore it. Like there's nothing wrong with it, but she, well, and- she, um, the publicist thing, I feel like. So she had basically is- part three was a publicist wrote an apology for her right. that and came I across like very fake get and no one believed it. <laughs> now she's going to go get her like primetime interviews with people and given a platform so she can actually clarify. But regardless, this is all helping to like build her up more. So I'm like, yeah. It's just, oh God, it was so crazy. I hate that it happened because so many people look up to her and I'm like, you totally, you totally misused your power there. You know, you totally totally misused it. And I know she's going to be like, oh, well, I don't do this. So people look up to me. I can't be responsible. Well, no, you do. Cause you built your whole brand on that. I think it's different when people attack Nicki Minaj because she can't be followed by young girls. She didn't build her whole brand on being followed by young girls. In fact, she built her whole brand on being like, Nicki Minaj. Yeah. Rachel Hollis built her brand on empowering young women, girls, women, everyone telling us she was relatable. And then she took it and basically smacked us in the face with it mm-hmm. and went a complete opposite direction. And now she wants to be the victim because yeah. of all those reasons. So I would love to hear what our listeners think about this. I want to hear what our listeners think about your camper. If anyone <laughs> like that situation, if you're building a house or about to be reach out to us. And I want to hear what people think about Rachel Hollis. I want to hear if there's anybody out there who support, like full blown still is in her corner. Like, yes, we're wrong. If we're wrong, please tell us. We would love to hear your side, but I, we're not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) But I I mean, people can think we're wrong, but But I do not think that we're wrong because the thing is like this, this is the part that like, again, I'll say it again. It upset me the most that she totally has flipped somewhere in her brand. Maybe she's always been this way. I've never read any of her books. I tried to go buy her book once and it was out of stock in the store and never went back to look. And I've, so I've never read her books. I listened to her podcast once and I couldn't stand the introduction that was like four minutes of her advertisement about herself. And so I just turned it off. And so basically like 
you know, the whole point of this, the whole point that upsets me is that she has built this entire brand and now has risen herself above that brand to look down on all the people who paid her money to go to her conferences, to listen to her podcast, to, you know, all the things she sponsored that like buy her brands. Mm -hmm. And she's now like saying, what is it about me that makes you think you can be me? And what makes you think you can relate to me? And that is the problem because she could have used that platform of 1.7, now 1.6 million people to like serve and build up women. And instead now she's kind of like, like the point of them, the point of her Instagram audience right now is to, for Rachel, it's not Rachel helping them. It's yes. all of them helping to make Rachel money. Yes. And that that's what I think is wrong. Yes, that became clear for sure. So we want to know, A, if you think I'm crazy for not wanting to spend money, because I know some of you do. And I also, we want to hear about your house building experiences, like Ellen said. And then we want to know if you follow Rachel Hollis, what did you think about this? Like, we don't have to air this. I I honestly just want to hear from you. So just send us a message at our page where um, Scribcasts and Sippy Cups yeah, email us at scrubcapsandsippycups at gmail.com. You can uh, send us a message on our Facebook page. We're scrubcapsandsippycups there. You can DM us at Hey Smart Mamas on Instagram. We want to hear from you. I'm genuinely curious if there are people, I mean, there's 1.6 million people who either have chosen to follow her still or didn't see the drama and didn't realize it was happening. Or, um, but she's like put me. her foot in her mouth multiple times. Yeah. Or they're like, they're just there for the shit storm. I'm just there to watch this with my popcorn. I'm not there because I care about her. I'm just there to watch what happens because I'm that, that's the kind of relatable person I am. I know people can relate to me there, but yeah. Yeah. And if you have something that you want to share, you know, privately with each of us, you can find Lacey at Ms. Lacey Lee, right? Yep. Ms. Lacey Lee on Instagram. I'm at Ellen Loletta on Instagram and Crystal is at STL underscore injector on Instagram. So we would love to hear from you, whether it's this topic, another topic, anything you want to share with us or just tell us how much you love us or hate us. We'll take it all. Thank you so much for listening. We are really okay. excited. I want to read oh, wait, a review before oh, go we go. I was about to wrap up. And yes. like, I want to read a review. Because I've noticed that we've been getting a few more lately. And so I want to shout somebody out. Um, we were supposed to be doing We've that. got... What? We were supposed to be doing that every episode. I think we forgot shouting people out. Yeah. So um, I can't remember if we've shouted out um, Green Daisy 83 before. Uh, she says, I love listening to the podcasts and the refreshing nature and flow of your conversation. It's not scripted. And so I enjoy each and every time I am able to listen. Thank you so much, Green Daisy, for leaving us a five-star review. We greatly appreciate it. And we would appreciate anyone else who wants to leave us a wonderful review. Um, Apple Podcasts would be the place to do that. And then you can find our podcast on wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we will chat with you soon. Bye. Chat with you soon. Bye.